Welcome to Down to Wander with your host, Carrie Nelson, full-time traveler, life coach, former therapist, and all-around curious person. Are you down to wander with me? Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. In this episode, I chat with my former client and nomad friend, Sarah. We discuss how a difficult relationship helped her to get on the road and how losing her job during the pandemic, combined with our work together, helped her to go towards her goal of starting her own successful business while also having a better quality of life. Sarah is definitely one of those people who knows how to take advantage of life's challenges. This podcast is sponsored by me and my business, Wandering Soul Life Coaching, where I provide both individual and couples coaching sessions. If you need help with finding your own personal work-life balance, I can help. Sign up for your free consultation at wanderingsoullifecoaching.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm tired right now because I just finished working out like right before we started talking. I feel like I'm settled now, but it's a little difficult to stand up. The thighs are a little wobbly. (laughs) So I am very impressed at your dedication to exercise uh, at all times of your life. You've been an inspiration for me in that way. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you, before getting pregnant, I had this like unrealistic expectation because right before we got pregnant, like we were so good with like eating really well. We were back on the carnivore diet, like carnivore, keto. We were going to the gym like six days a week and I was like super in shape. So when I got pregnant, I had it in my mind that I would only gain weight in my stomach. Like... (laughs) And then like, you know, the bloat started and I was like, oh, okay, now my cheeks are filled out again. And now my arms, I'm like, I'm gaining weight everywhere where I normally have gained weight throughout my life. Yeah. And then with the first trimester, there was no way I was working out during that. I was so tired. And now I'm like, okay, I gotta, I, you know, I'm already like, birth is going to be a bitch. <laughs> So if I can like be in some kind of shape or have some kind of stamina going into that, that would be best. So like, I'm, I'm really just doing it because I feel like it's going to be way worse if I don't. That's my motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and then after you have the baby, you're going to have those like super strong mom arms that you get from carrying around like a 20 pound kid everywhere. All the moms I know have the strongest arms I've ever seen (laughs) a human person. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah, it's like when they hand you their kid to hold and you're like, Jesus, how do you hold this thing? Like literally after about 10 seconds, I'm like, man, I'm really tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You do this all day. That's actually so the workouts that I do are prenatal bar and the woman all the time when like anytime we're working on shoulders, she was like, this is going to prep you for like the arm strength you need to like hold the babies. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is like it's it's legit. So yep. Laying the groundwork. Yes. But anyway, I'm super excited to just not be moving my body for a little bit while I talk with you. Well, I'm very excited to continue sitting <laughs> as I have been most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll introduce you first and foremost. So uh, I already said your name. Um, so you are Sarah and you are a fellow nomad. We met... Was that last year or the year before last? I think it would have been 
fall 2019 that we met. Yes. So we met at the Boondockers Bash, which was a nomad event. That might have been the third one that we went to. That was the first one that I ever went to. So I met you because our buddy Lalo, I think, was like cruising around and met you first, right? Yep. And he was walking his dog. Yeah. And then he introduced us and you became a member of what we called the Cool Kids Club, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty much like we were all parked in this general area and we were like all the young ones um, on the road. Yes. There's not a lot of young people. So I was like super pumped. I think you were also one of the first, like one of the first girls too that I met on the road that was around our age. So you were like a hot commodity to me because I was hanging out with dudes <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Ditto. It's like, thank God I met another girl in my age group who I can talk to. Yes. <laughs> it's refreshing. Yeah. So we like hung out, played some games. Uh, I think it's really funny that <laughs> I think it was like one of maybe like the second time that we hung out was the crazy night that there was like a big fire up at the cool kids camp and you came <laughs> up with Orion, your dog, who's a, the sweetest husky I've ever met in my life. Um <laughs> And I told you this before we started recording, but I'm not sure that you knew, but like you were a really, really big inspiration for me to actually start coaching because we had talked about like kind of therapy stuff or, you know, coaching stuff, self-improvement and and um, all of that kind of stuff. And that night was just like a really powerful night to me for me around the campfire because I really just came out of my shell and was like really open and you and I talked about stuff and I was like man I want to work with people everywhere like I don't want to be just stuck working with people in you know the states that I'm licensed and after that like I had a fire lit under me and that's when I started my coaching business so you were a big part of like I want to work with Sarah. And I want to work with other people like Sarah. So <laughs> I like have to get my shit together. And, and I did. <laughs> so thank you for that. That makes me so happy to hear, especially because it goes both ways. I didn't tell you this before the call. But after I talked to you that night, at the time, I had a full time corporate job. And I had never been more convinced than after you and I talked that like, I had to get out of that job. And I had to do something else because I left that conversation thinking, I want to connect to my work the way that Carrie does. Like, I want to get as excited about a professional project as she is about her coaching that she wants to start doing. So it goes both ways. So it was a, it was a very lucky meeting. That's awesome. Yes, it was lucky for us. Uh, funny story. It wasn't super lucky for Orion <laughs> because that night... That night we had a blast. Everyone was drinking and part. Well, I wasn't drinking, but people were drinking and partying around the fire and hanging out until late in the evening. And I remember like the next day you and I were just going to meet up just me and you and go for like a walk and talk. And I remember you like texting me and you're like, I am so sorry but I'm at the vet's office and Yuma, I don't know what's going on. If I remember correctly, <laughs> like Orion wasn't standing and he kept falling and was yeah. like, you had no idea what was going on. It was like he had a stroke. And then you later found out that he was just high. Um, somehow, <laughs> he must have gotten into someone's pockets and found some form of marijuana and just got super stoned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was that for you? 
terrifying. <laughs> it was honestly terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. I woke up really early in the morning. It was sort of like something out of The Shining. I, I look over and he was just standing there staring at nothing and sort of swaying. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what that means. And I took him out because I thought he had to go to the bathroom and he like couldn't walk. And I for sure thought he was ha- yeah, like having something neurological going on or had been poisoned. And in a way he had. So like, it was basically still in my pajamas. I had my like night stickers on my acne, like <laughs> all the weird messed up stuff that you do at night. Hadn't brushed my hair. I'm a sobbing mess because my dog is my child. I don't have human children. So I just channel all of that maternal energy into my dog. And so I, I show up at the vet in Yuma, which is, I think it's like an hour and a half drive from Quartzsite, if I remember right. It's not that close, but there's no vet in Quartzsite on, uh, this was a holiday. I think this was like the Sunday after Thanksgiving or something. So it was just a hot mess, like sobbing in their lobby. And the vet was very sweet. And she explained to me that they, while they could do an x-ray, she didn't think it was necessary because she heard that I was at a bonfire in Quartzsite, put the pieces together and said, I think he's just high. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they very kindly gave him some fluids and some charcoal and sent us home and it turned out to be fine. It was just a matter of time, but I was totally panicked. I was a mess that day. Yeah, I remember seeing him when you got back and he was still like pretty high. But at that point, we were all just like kind of making fun of him because we knew what it was. And we're like, don't worry, buddy. Like, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, (laughs) Everyone's gotten too high by accident at one point or another. (laughs) Yeah. Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So at that point when we met up, how long had you been living on the road? Uh, let's see. So fall 2019, I would have been on the road for about, well, in the RV for about six months, but only on the road since the summer. So I bought my trailer in January, 2019 with a bunch of plans with my partner at the time. And then I ended up taking kind of like a, like a test trip to the East coast. So I'm from Denver, Colorado. I was living in Thornton, which is a a boring suburb of Denver at the time. And I took a trip to Alabama that spring just to see, can I tow this trailer? What's this whole RVing thing all about? Like, do I really want to do this? And so I kind of consider that my launch point because when I got back from that trip, my plans with my partner at the time ended up changing and I ended up moving into the trailer sooner than planned. Um, But I lived there uh, in the trailer in Colorado for a few months while I kind of got my life together. Um, And I can go into some more details around that. But yeah, I started in the RV in spring 2019. So at that point I was still pretty new, especially for being a full-time nomad, actually traveling. When we met, I was still very new to it. And that was my first ever time boondocking, which for anyone who's not familiar with uh, RVing basically means that you are, you're dry camping. You're just kind of in the desert. There's no electric, there's no water, there's no services around. You're not in a campground. So that was a lot of firsts for me. And I was like, I was very freaked out about a lot of it at that time. So it was lucky in many ways that I met you. You made me feel a lot more comfortable than I would have otherwise. Yeah. Well, and we were new on the road too. I think we had only been on the road like eight months or so at that point. And we were still in our van. I remember like us sitting 
in our van having a conversation where like, you know, we're like hunched over because you couldn't even (laughs) sit up straight. And oh my gosh, like, I have no idea how we lived in the van together for like eight months without murdering each other, like true testament to our marriage. Yeah, I could tell that you guys really loved each other from that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So why buy the RV in the first place? And why did you think like, did you buy the RV initially thinking that you were going to live on the road or just to be a weekender, go on trips? What were you thinking? So at the time, I was living with my boyfriend of many years. I think at that time, we'd been together about seven years. And maybe four years into that relationship, I started getting really itchy feet. I've always had really itchy feet. Travel has always been the way that I prefer to experience the world. I'm sure there's a lot of psychology behind this, but I get really restless if I'm in one place for too long. And that's always been true. When I was a kid, my parents always talk about how I would run away at like age three or four. And it wasn't because I was unhappy at home. Um, I loved my family and I didn't want to run away from them, but I wanted to go explore things and they, they were too slow and boring. So I would just like go check it out on my own. And so I, I was working in a corporate job that I was really bored with. And I started watching all these YouTube videos. I think Gone with the Winds was the first channel that I found where it was this young couple. They were traveling. They were living in an RV full time and they were working on the road. And that just like kind of made my head explode a little bit. I thought I had no idea at the time that pe- like non-retired people had the option to do that. And I started thinking about my job and I was like, I could totally do this. There's no reason that I really need to be at an office. I can do everything remotely. Sometimes I do work remotely, like this could work. And so I started talking to my partner about this. He was a pilot, so he definitely had a very location-dependent job. Um, But he also had a job where he, he had a lot of leeway. So he was one of their senior pilots. This was for a local commercial airline. And so he could basically tell his boss, hey, I want to take a few months sabbatical. So we had this big plan where I was still going to be working. He was going to take a sabbatical from his job and we were going to do basically a big loop of the country over the course of about six months or so and just kind of like see where that led us. And we thought, you know, maybe we might find a new place we want to live or at least go see some places that we've always talked about. But there were a couple of problems with that. And one of the problems was that he didn't really want to do that. He just was trying to make me happy, I guess, or, you know, he was trying to go along. But he's not a big traveler in the same way. He's not a very outdoorsy person. So, of course, we're planning this trip. And I'm like, oh, we can do all these national parks. There are all these great hikes. And his concerns were more like, so where am I going to do my video gaming in the trailer? So there were a lot of red flags that, in retrospect, were very evident. But, of course, when you're in it, you don't always see them. So I just sort of brushed that stuff aside. So long story short, my trailer is pretty large for a solo traveler. I've got a a 28 foot travel trailer because we had bought it for a trip for two. Um, So that original trip that I took in March, 2019 out to Alabama from Denver, I was towing it with his truck. I went by myself because he couldn't take time off work at that moment, but there was like a kind of gathering out East, not necessarily an RV gathering, but a a gathering of friends, some of whom were in RVs. And I thought I would go out East and check that out. And I spent a lot of that trip thinking, what would it be like to do this myself? Or or like, what if I broke up with John? Could I just move into the trailer? And funnily enough, I mean, this was like a six week trip and I was thinking this way all six weeks. And then I got back home and I was like, should I be concerned that I was thinking 
a lot about ending my relationship that whole time. Like I wasn't really thinking about our travels together. I was more thinking about what would it be like to travel alone. And so that was sort of the beginning of the end of that relationship. We had some hard conversations when I came back and kind of mutually realized over time that not only was that plan not going to work out, but our, our interests and our lives were diverging in a pretty significant way. Yeah. So how, I mean, was that something, it sounds like you were almost anticipating that. So were you both on the same page in regards to ending things? Um, That's a hard question to answer. I think we both knew that it was over, but the relationship had been so long I mean, we were, we were talking about getting married. Our families were very entrenched with each other. It was the kind of relationship where you lean into an assumption of forever. And so it's really hard, I think, to take mental steps back from that and imagine what your life would be like if that weren't the case. Um, or at least it was for me, and I think it was for him too. So we did a lot of the things that you do when you're in that situation and you're resistant to it. So we, we went to a couple of therapists to see if we could make things work. And those experiences were unsuccessful in large part because I learned after the fact that he had been cheating on me with a flight attendant, um, which is just about as cliche as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even before I learned that, I had actually... I remember very clearly I was lying in bed. I was at my parents' house because we were separated. So I'd moved out of his house and the trailer was a mess. Like there was just stuff all over in it. I tried to move into the trailer and then gotten overwhelmed. So I was in my parents' guest bedroom on the phone with my ex. And I was saying, do you think that there's an outcome? Because we were trying to decide if we were going to go see another therapist. And I said, I'm having a hard time imagining a result of therapy that would make this relationship something I wanted to stay in. How do you feel? And he basically said he felt the same way. We got to a point where we were like, what outcome are we hoping for from therapy? Because we weren't seeing a path forward. And that was the conversation where I realized like, okay, so really the next step then is making this separation permanent. And of course now therapy never would have worked because he certainly hadn't given me all the information. I was at his house moving my stuff out at one point when I saw something come up on his phone. And that's how I found out uh, about the relationship that he was having with this much younger girl. But in many ways, you know, that was a very painful thing at the time. But in many ways, it was also really freeing because I was so conflicted about whether ending this relationship was the right thing to do. Um, And, you know, my, my family loved him and my friends loved him. Later, I found out that maybe they didn't so much, but at the time, it seemed like everyone in my life loved him a lot and was really attached to that relationship. And that made me, you know, there's a lot of social attachment to relationships like that as well. So I had a lot of questions about if I was doing the right thing. And I think that finding out about that affair he was having, I guess you would call it, was such a gift because it was a tailor-made closure event, I guess. Or it was like somebody saying, yep, you did the right thing. Absolutely. So I I actually think looking back that that was the best thing that could have happened. But at the time, of course, it it felt very painful. Yeah. So it sounds like you took some time after that to kind of like, would you say heal or just to like get all of your stuff out and figure out what you were doing and like make a plan? Like, did you instantly think like, okay, I'm heading out on the road full time or like, what was that? like for you? 
No, I definitely took some time to lick my wounds. I would have preferred to just head out on the road, but I was still in a transitional place with my job where I was working for a corporate employer in Denver. And while they let me work remotely most of the time, they still wanted me to go in maybe once or twice a week just to attend team meetings and things like that. My strategy with getting full-time remote work at that job, because back then they weren't letting anybody do that. So this was Remember back to 2019 when when remote work was not really a thing that was accepted at most corporate jobs. So my strategy was, okay, my first step is going to be, I'm going to ask if I can work from home a couple days a week. And sort of my in for that was getting Orion when he was a puppy. I needed to be at home a lot so that I could let him out and all that good stuff. So that was sort of my trial that had been a year before. And then my next step was like, okay, can we just make this an ongoing thing where I come in once or twice a week and I work from home? And that was easy to do when I moved out of my boyfriend's house because I ended up moving into the trailer down at a campground about an hour and a half from Denver. So it was quite a commute. It was in the mountains down 285 uh, toward a tiny little town called Bailey in the middle of nowhere. So my boss was very understanding. You know, he was like, yep, you have a long commute, completely fine if you come in a day or two a week. So that was sort of my intermediary step. So I did that for a while, which was an interesting experience in many ways. This RV park was still probably the sketchiest I've ever been to. I've been to all kinds of parks since, but in this park, there were a lot of permanent residents, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, but this particular part of Colorado the people who are are living in these parks often don't have a lot of funds. The park was a little bit run down. It was in a beautiful area. But I remember one morning I was walking around and there was a man walking around the park shirtless, carrying a loaded crossbow, looking for a bear. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, um, well, I hope for everyone's sake that you don't find a bear or anything you think is a bear. But yeah, so it was just an interesting place. Some very colorful characters there for sure. So I lived there for a couple of months until I was able to convince my boss to actually let me hit the road. And by that time, I had built up enough trust with that employer that they were ready to let me go fully remote. And then I had to just come back like once per quarter for a team building event. So that's when I was really able to hit the road full time and go travel. Yeah. So then where did you go first right out of the gate? That's a great question. I am trying to remember back. Actually, funnily enough, so I I grew up in Colorado and this sounds really boring, but the first places that I went were all places in Colorado. Colorado is a beautiful state with a lot of beautiful things to see. And when we would go camping and stuff as a kid, when you grow up on the front range, you end up going to front range mountain places because they're the close ones. But I had never seen the Southwest corner of the state, Durango and Pagosa Springs and Cortez. And there are a lot of really cool places down there that I had never been. So that was the first thing I did. Um, I went and checked out parts of Colorado that I had always wanted to see. And then I went to Arizona and that's when I ran into all of you. So I decided that it'd be fun to not see the winter weather that year. This would have been in November because the event where we met, that was at Thanksgiving. And so I was in Arizona for November. I'd gone to Sedona, totally fell in love with Sedona. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And then from there, I headed down to Quartzsite. And that's where I, I ran into all of you guys at the Boondockers Bash. That's interesting. So we were in Sedona before we were in Quartzsite, but we also had that stint in Phoenix because Samson needed 
He had to meet with an <laughs> ophthalmologist because he got dust or sand in his eye in Utah. And by the time we were in Sedona, he had an eye ulcer and uh, he was a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was great because that actually rerouted us to Phoenix. And I met like uh, one of my really good friends there during that trip, another Sarah on the road. And um, yeah, it, it all worked out. But so, yeah, I think, I mean, most people... <laughs> You know, during the fall and winter, we start to migrate south because we definitely want the winter weather. And then Mm -hmm. since that time, you've done some loops, right? Because I know you were in Florida for a little bit and you did uh, Alabama again. And you were down south a little bit. Yes. So after. After that event in Quartzsite, I ended up heading east. So I stuck around Arizona, I think until January that year. And then, yes, so January 2020, that's when I kind of beelined east for uh, an RV event in March, also in Alabama. So in Lake Gunnersville State Park, which is a beautiful state park out in central Alabama. So I, I kind of hauled out east And that's where I was when the pandemic hit. So of course, you know, right around March, 2020, things started to change in the world. And we started to realize that uh, we were in the midst of a public health crisis. Alabama took a little bit longer to catch on to that than um, maybe a lot of the rest of the United States. But still faster than Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So actually, I never made it to Florida. I had a lot of plans to be there. I was training for a half marathon at the time that was in Florida. And I had gotten some really good state park reservations at some of the most coveted state parks along the coast. And I had to give those up, which was heartbreaking. Um, So I still haven't gotten back out to Florida. But uh, I was in Alabama for a couple months. Fortunately, I guess the good thing about the fact that Alabama did not take the pandemic very seriously until like May was that a lot of other states were kicking RVers off of public land and out of state parks because the assumption was these people are just camping. This is recreational. They should go home. Of course, for full-time RVers, it's not recreational. And if we're kicked off of a place, we're actually spreading a virus more potentially because we don't really have anywhere else to go. So then we're just moving around. But in Alabama, they let us all stay. So we got a monthly rate at the state park, which is kind of an unheard of thing. And it was actually a really nice place to spend spring. So I ended up being out there and I traveled around Tennessee and got to see the Smoky Mountains. And that's really the farthest east I've gotten. I haven't gotten back out there since. I've mostly stuck to the west, but I really want to get back out to that area. It's a beautiful part of the country. Well, and so I think it's interesting. So if I may say, you and I did work together for a little doing the coaching thing and focusing a lot on the work-life balance in that corporate job that you hated. And uh, we had worked on like, um, how can I say it? We tried to get that job to suck less based on <laughs> changing your behaviors. Because again, yes. you know, that's that's my big thing when it comes to work-life balances. If we're really, really stressed at work, we have to take a look at how we're doing the work and how we're creating more stress for ourselves. Because sometimes we can knock that down by like 50%. And it's not really the job that's stressful anymore. It was really just the behaviors that we had. So we were working on that. And I know you were getting closer and closer to just being like, screw this, I want to be done with this job. (laughs) And I think that it was a sad thing when COVID came about, and we had to stop working together, but we had to stop working together because you got let go. But that seems to me to be like a huge turning point and 
a like really positive thing in the end. 100%. You know, so many things that happen to us in life. I know this is so cliche, but it really is true. And I try to remember when I'm in the middle of these events that so often the things that feel the worst that happen to us actually end up being the best things that happen to us. And that's been so true for me with the the end of the relationship that I thought was going to be, you know, the relationship in my life. And then getting laid off from a job, which had never happened to me before. I had never been fired from anything. I had never been let go of anything. So that was all very scary. You know, these were a lot of big firsts for me. And getting laid off from that job was such a blessing, <laughs> which I saw almost immediately afterward, really, because... I remember a conversation that you and I had, Carrie. I, I'm so glad that everything happened the way it did because you and I were doing a lot of work around, as you said, changing some of my behaviors. And I'm so glad I started before the job ended because I was really, with your help, learning to let go of some bad habits that I had, one of which was I needed to be that person that people went to. So like, I needed to be the person that was always available. And I think part of that was... I was the only fully remote employee in the company at that time. And so I felt a lot of pressure to always respond to a message at any time of day and and take on more work because I really wanted to prove that this lifestyle could work. But of course, in the course of doing that, it meant that I didn't have time to go out and explore or enjoy the places that I was because I was always working. So I was simultaneously ruining my own experience and nobody was asking me to do that. And that was one of the things that you really helped me understand was that this was all coming from me. I was so desperate to be the go-to person and to prove that it was doable, that I was essentially negating the whole purpose of my travels. And so then when COVID hit and I got laid off and that company ended up actually shutting down. So they had one big wave of layoffs, which I was a part of, And then after that, the whole company basically fell apart within a couple of months, which was too bad. But because of that, because I got laid off and wasn't a part of the infrastructure of the company crumbling, I got a great severance package. I got a lot of perks that other people didn't get. And that was great. It gave me time to think about what I wanted my next step to be, the the practical person in me that uh, wanted to do everything my parents always said was like reasonable to do, wanted to rush out and get another corporate job. But I knew from talking to you and from like the freedom that I had touched by traveling and talking to people who were living their lives differently, I knew that if there was going to be any moment in my life to really do what I wanted to do, that was the moment I had a financial cushion from that severance package. I already lived on the road. So many of the things that I had always wanted just came together. And while it was scary to start my own business at that time, I knew that I would never get a better chance than that. That was like the universe knocking on my door and saying, look, you've been saying you want to do something. Here are all the tools. (laughs) If you're ever going to do it, now's the time. Um, And so it really was like a, a lucky series of events, even though it didn't always feel that way. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how things are going, because when we ended our conversation, I had known that you had wanted to experiment with being a freelance writer and kind of stepping into that path. And then I know like after like you started that and then it sounded last time we had talked like sounded like you had too much work on your plate already. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about your your business now and how that's going. Yeah, it's been going really well. 
I feel in many ways like my business sort of grew by accident. Most of my business that I have today, I can trace back to two original customers that I got way back in the early days. And all of that came from just being really open to opportunities, no matter what they looked like at the time. And that's not the right advice at every stage of a business, as I found out. But uh, in the early stages of my business, I had already been looking at doing some freelance writing as a side hustle while I was in my corporate job. And so actually, before I even got laid off, I had a call set up with some full-time RVers who wanted a content writer. They wanted someone to write some emails and some blog posts for them. And so I already had a conversation scheduled with them. And I think that call ended up being like the day after that I got laid off. And so they jumped on this call and they said, Hey, Sarah, we actually need a lot of content, but we know you have a full-time job. So we'll just take whatever you can do. And I got to say, well, actually I have a lot of time. And they said, well, great, because we actually know uh, a couple other people who are in the publishing space and they need some content written. And then I had uh, a former colleague from my corporate job who had actually left the company voluntarily just before the layoffs. And she introduced me to some people who needed some content written. And literally every client that I have now has been a referral from somewhere down the chain from one of those two original branches. Um, And I've built my business from just saying yes to a lot of early opportunities and yeah, now I, I think I'm at a place where I'm finally as busy as I want to be. But for a while, there was actually more work than I could really do. And I was running myself ragged a little bit because I felt like if I turned any business down, that would be too scary. You know, in, in year one of your business, the last thing you want to do is say no to any opportunity that knocks on your door. And I was still kind of finding my feet and figuring out what kind of writing do I want to do? What kind of writing do I not want to do? Um, so I've learned a lot in the two years, I guess, since I've been running my business. And yeah, it's been it's been really successful, which has been great. I honestly, I think even when I started my business, there was this like secret little voice in my head that thought, you're probably not going to be able to do this. You don't know anything about business. <laughs> And maybe you're not that good of a writer anyway. So I think I had a lot of fears around failing. But, you know, again, it was like, if I was ever going to try, that was the moment. And thank goodness I did. Yeah, that's awesome. I I remember things just kind of like falling into place. And I know you had asked me questions about starting my own business. And I can relate to all of that. Like I was petrified and was like, <laughs> this is not going to be something that's going to last. And like, I know nothing about business for my first year. Like, you know, I wasn't registered. I didn't have like, I, you know, I was I didn't even know what I was doing with my taxes. I paid them and I reported everything. But I was like, I feel like there's probably some other stuff I should be like doing on top of that. And I just got like my shit together probably like last year. Um, I found an accountant that actually like started her own small business. And so she walked me through the steps and I was like, oh, okay, I, I can actually do this. And like you, all of my, you know, all of my clients almost come from other clients that I've had. So now I have these networks of people who, kind of know each other. Actually, it's funny because even in one area of Pennsylvania, I have, I think at this point have had eight clients from that one small town in Pennsylvania. 
and they all know each other somehow. So it's like this fun little click where it's like I'm part of their family and like friend group, but I've only met one of them in person, but I want to do a trip there oh, so wow. I can just like get all of them and be like, oh my gosh, all of my ladies. Yeah, you can have a meetup. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally want to. Um, half of them are related and the other half are like family friends. Um, so I love it. I absolutely love it. So, well, I'm glad that work is going well. How is the work-life balance, especially now that you're your own boss? Yeah, that's been, it's been a journey. It's funny because for so long, I blamed so many of my bad habits and my issues on the corporate job. And I would think if I could just get out of this job and run my own business, I would have full control over my time and I would feel so much differently about work. And I'm sure it will not surprise anyone to hear that it turns out I brought a lot of my own problems with me. So a lot of the same boundary issues that I had with my corporate job, I had in my own business. And I realized, oh, actually, the problem has been me the whole time. The problem was never the corporate job. Now, that's not to say that running my own business didn't come with more freedoms. It absolutely did. And a lot of the things that I didn't like about working corporate, I still wouldn't like. And now it's hard to imagine going back to that. But a lot of the, a lot of a lack of control over my own time, as it turns out, was related to not being able to put boundaries around when I wanted to be available and when I didn't. And that's still something that I'm working on, but I will say I've gotten a lot better. And I'm so glad that I started practicing that with a corporate job because that gave me the ability to, from the very beginning, I could say, okay, if somebody emails me at 10 p.m., I'm going to have a personal rule that I don't respond until the next business day. Or if I'm working on something and focusing, I'm going to put all my devices on do not disturb and I'm going to focus and I'm not going to constantly check email. And that was really, really difficult, especially in the early days. And I did not always succeed at doing that because when I was first starting the business, I was sort of in panic mode a little bit. And, you know, again, I felt like I need to seize on any opportunity I get. I need to be really available. Otherwise my business will fail and I'll like starve in the streets and, you know, die in a ditch somewhere. That's usually where my brain goes. But eventually I started to figure out what boundaries made sense for me. And I, for the most part, I am employing those today and it's a lot better for my mental health. When you, I think one of the challenges with running your own business, and I know you'll relate to this, Carrie, is that it's really hard to ever fully feel like you are relaxing unless you decide to, because there's never a time when you couldn't be working. At least with a corporate job, you have really specific, and this has pros and cons, but there are specific guardrails around when you're expected to work and when you're not. So maybe eight to five or whatever those times are, you are expected to be, be available. Sometimes the expectation is more but your contractual obligation is usually for that 40 hours a week and you have grounds to say, okay, now is when I'm meant to be sort of off. When you're running your own business, there's no such timeline. At all times, you could be working. And um, especially in the early days of the business, my brain was constantly on um, because I was worried about making it work. And so I never fully felt like I was not working. And so that was a challenge and I think same for trying to schedule relaxation time. Another one of the things that's really stuck with me from those sessions that we did is you had taught me about doing an unschedule. And I think that's really helped in so many ways because not only was I, 
I never fully relaxing, but often I wasn't fully working either. So I'd be in a beautiful place and I would either be trying to work and wishing I was out hiking or something or hiking and then thinking about work. And I think when you, when you schedule in and very intentionally, the times that you're going to be doing something fun first, like when you build those in, that has helped immensely just with trying to draw those boundaries around. Okay. When am I focusing on work and when am I enjoying the place where I am? So it's not perfect, but it's a lot better now than it used to be. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear it. Cause I used to get so bummed when we initially were hanging out and you were still with the corporate gig and we were in person at that time. And it was like, yeah, you were, you were just working more than an, you know, more than eight to five. <laughs> like yeah. every time we were somewhere and we we're like, oh, we're going on a hike and we're doing this. And you're like, I can't, I'm working. And I was like, <laughs> when am I going to get to see you? I'm like, you know, I felt so bad that you weren't getting to really explore. So now it sounds like there's a, a bit of a better balance going on more hikes, doing more things, traveling more. Yes, much better balance. So now I'm actually very intentionally taking at least two days off a week, which it took me a while to get to that point. Because again, you know, and for the first while, I actually didn't feel like I was going to burn out. I really enjoyed the work I was doing. I still enjoy it, but I liked it. And so I thought, well, it's no big deal if I work seven days a week because I like it and I'm trying to build this business and I'm trying to hustle. And then right around the end of last year, I realized, oh, it's very possible to burn out. And I'm just about there. I hadn't taken a day off really since I started my business, not consciously. Um, There were days that I sort of was forced to take off because one of the things that no one really tells you about RV life is that things are constantly breaking. You're constantly having unexpected issues come up. So, you know, maybe you are trying to go to a specific spot to camp, but you find out that there's nowhere to stay there. Like there's no open spots or you can't actually work there because the signal's not good enough. Or this is a real thing that's happened to me. You arrive at a spot and it while you were traveling, your kitchen sink fell out and now you have a massive plumbing issue that you have to deal with. So a lot of that would sort of change my work schedule. And so maybe I would take a day out of working, but it was because I now had an emergency fix to deal with. So that kind of thing will burn you out if you aren't careful. Uh, And as I learned, if you think that it won't, it's only a matter of time before it does. And so now I plan in advance where am I going to take time out to explore the place where I am and not just days off per week, but also times of day. So I go on a couple, like two or three hikes a week, usually with my dog. And I I think that's one of the great things about having a dog is it does kind of force you to get out there and do that. I think I would probably be worse about all of this without him, but yeah, so we will, we will go hiking and you know, yesterday I had work that needed to be done, but I decided that it was going to be a day off. And so instead I went and explored the um, the state park near where I am and had lunch with friends. And so I think it's just a matter of making very intentional choices about how you spend your time. The funny thing is, even though there's of course always work to do, whether you're in a corporate job or running your own business, I think there's always more that could be done. That's always true. But when I really look at the amount of hours that it requires for me to maintain my desired income level and keep my clients happy. It's not all that many productive like output hours per week. And so if I'm, if I'm mindful about the way I schedule, I could work fewer days a week than I am. I I don't really produce 
for all that many hours um, relative to the amount of hours that I was working. So there's admin time and there are other things that kind of complicated my schedule. But if I'm really paying attention to it, I can work only three days a week or four days a week and be fine. But you have to be paying attention to even know that. Um, And so that's one of the things that I've kind of figured out recently is, oh, I can actually take a lot more time out to explore and to go hiking and still be completely fine as long as I'm paying attention. Yeah, I feel like that's the next step in up-leveling as a business owner. Just at first, it's just like, get to the ground and let's get stuff established and take everything that you possibly can because you know you want to feast as much as possible because you're just so petrified about a famine. And mm-hmm. then you, know, you get that steady influx and then it is about kind of like efficiency. It's the same thing when you start a new job and you're learning and you're training and you're getting all of this information. Then once you get it down, you start becoming more efficient with it. You know, it just sounds like, yeah, that's kind of where you're at in that stage of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you're getting to explore more. And um, I know Orion is a great travel companion. Um, (laughs) And, and I imagine that he keeps you pretty safe on the feeling safe on the road because he is so intimidating. Although, like, he probably would just roll over for belly rubs from an (laughs) intruder. Like he's not, he's not the scariest dog. He looks intimidating, but he's he's not. So I'm, I'm sure you get this question, like, all of the time, uh, because I think it's like the number one asked question of solo female travelers. But do you feel unsafe on the road? And how do you travel by yourself without protection? Yeah, the dog helps a lot. It's funny. I always am sort of taken aback when people ask me about traveling alone, because I don't feel like I am. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess human wise, I am solo, but my dog is almost always around. So I don't feel like I'm traveling alone. He does help a lot. I think partly just for that companionship element, you know, again, it makes me feel like I'm not by myself, but also you're right. I mean, he, he looks kind of like a wolf. He does have, especially if you're not really that comfortable with dogs, he does look a little bit scary. He's vocal in a way that can sound growly. So that kind of scares some people off a little bit, which in many ways is a good thing. And he's the perfect dog because he's not in fact unfriendly. So he's great around like kids and other campers and everything. But for someone who might have nefarious intents, he's he's a good uh, security measure. I just gave a talk about this recently, actually at the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous uh, about safety for solo women travelers. I think it's such an individual thing. I've always been very aware of paying attention to my surroundings. This is something that my dad drilled into me from a very young age. Like just being aware of where you are and what's going on, I think is 99% of it. And I honestly believe that like as women, no matter where we are, whether you're a a solo traveler or not, just a a woman moving around the world or a person moving around the world, I think your best weapon is just your voice. The majority of people don't want attention drawn to anything nefarious that they might be up to. And so if you are, if you are willing to be loud, if a situation is making you uncomfortable, most of the time people will leave you alone because they don't want like a scene. I am definitely more safety conscious when I'm going to go do something like hike alone or uh, boondock by myself or someplace that I'm a little bit more isolated. Um, I do have some security measures that I take for that. But I mean, really, for the most part, it is just about, I think, paying attention to where you are, being really aware of your surroundings, making sure that you know how to leave if you need to leave. 
And honestly, I've never had a bad experience. I've had some interesting experiences, but I've, I've never run into anybody that really truly made me feel unsafe or a situation that felt like it was going to be something I couldn't handle. The one time that I was hiking alone and there was a guy who was kind of iffy, Orion actually did growl at that guy. So that was kind of interesting. And, and you know this from traveling, Carrie, most of the people that you meet are so amazing and so kind and so helpful. And I think particularly as a, as a solo female traveler, some people are maybe a little bit too helpful. They always want to tell you how to do stuff or, or offer help. And when it comes to setting up the, the camper and tearing it down, I do better on my own <laughs> without anybody distracting me or offering uh, various degrees of help. But I mean, really, I've, I felt very safe traveling around. And, and like I said, I really don't feel like I'm by myself. Yeah. So initially, you were thinking about being on the road with someone. Have you met anyone on the road through your travels? I know I was always like looking for single guys that would be like, you know, <laughs> decent for you to date. How How is that going? Is that something you're ready for? Yeah, that's been an interesting journey. That's something that I'm still working on how to do, really. I think that one of the things that does feel less safe on the road than if you're in a city is dating. You know, things like Tinder feel a little bit sketchier when you're not in a town where you know anybody, nobody there knows you, and maybe your friends and family don't necessarily know where you are all the time. It's not like if you live in a town and you can tell your roommate or your best friend, like, Hey, I'm going to go to this bar that we all know and meet so-and-so on Tinder. So it it is a little bit more of a question mark safety wise. And then also I think the bigger issue for me personally has just been for most of the time that I've been on the road, I really haven't wanted to date. (laughs) And for a long time, I thought that that was just a really healthy expression of me being, you know, an independent badass woman who didn't need no man and that kind of thing. And I I think there is some of that that is true. Uh, But I'm, I'm kind of trying to unpack a lot of things that came out of my, my breakup from a few years ago that I think I just never dealt with. I was emotionally out of that relationship long before it ended. And so I was so proud of myself at the time for like how well I handled it because I really wasn't that sad. I certainly wasn't crying all the time. Like I thought I handled it great, but I think in reality, I just sort of didn't look at a whole lot of fears that I had around dating and relationships. And I, I did date someone actually back in Denver. So I was introduced to a man that my cousin worked with at the time. uh, And we sort of started talking on Zoom. And then I went back and ended up staying in Colorado for a few months and really got into some serious feelings for this guy. And then I took a step back and realized that I was recreating a lot of the same patterns from some of my old relationships that I hadn't liked and actually even in a more extreme version. So this particular guy was very controlling and very manipulative. And I was really into it until I took a step back and realized what was going on. So I think in many ways, I don't like who I am when I'm dating. Like I'm, I'm scared of the person that I turn into or the things that I will allow when I'm really into a relationship. So I'm trying to figure out what that right balance looks like for me. And 
heal the way that I think about men in many ways, to be perfectly honest, Carrie. I've I've caught myself saying a lot of things to girlfriends and like really leaning into some man-hating conversations that feel okay and fun at the time. But then I I take a step back and I go like, so what makes me different than all those men that just say all women are evil and and <laughs> really don't like any women? So I think that I am I think that I'm still trying to figure out how I think about relationships and how I think about men and where that all fits in for me. So I don't really have a good answer there. That's that's definitely a continuing journey. Yeah. Well, I think the big part is just having that self-awareness. And, you know, I think when we've been mistreated by men, it's really easy to, you know, characterize them as just all being crappy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, but I think there's a lot of shitty men out there. And there's a lot of really great men. I mean, I remember too, like, you know, prior to my relationship with Anthony, I had like two good boyfriends before Anthony, but all the rest, oh my god, shit shows like, you know, just <laughs> were absolutely horrible. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I am never going to get married. Like, there's just no way I'm going to ever, like, commit to one of these things, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were just so bad. Um, and then again, you know, I had two good relationships. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, they're not all bad. And then I met Anthony and I was like, okay, yeah, like, this one's like a really, you know, this one's a really good one. But it's hard. It's hard to, like, trust again, um, especially after that long of a relationship. And then finding out after the fact. And it's almost like learning that someone had a whole nother life. And I think it's really hard to like open up and trust past that. And like you said, you know, with the work thing too, I I think it's so many people don't realize this, but you said it with the work thing and the relationship thing. It's not the external stuff that's always the issue. Oftentimes it is our own internal stuff that we're applying to these external Mm -hmm. situations. And to some extent, it sounds like that's really overwhelming and shitty. (laughs) Like, damn it. I like, it's me. Like I am the, (laughs) I am the problem here. And you know, like coming from inside the house. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it'd be so much easier if it was like everything else is fucked up and I'm great. But the truth of the matter is, is when you tap into that, like that's where all your control is. You can't control other people. You can't control you know, the work situation, but you have a hundred percent control over your behaviors and your actions. You just have to actually spend the time to become self-aware and understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. What purpose are they serving? Or do you think that they're serving? Where did they come from? And unwrapping all of that and then trying something different. And by doing that, you know, you really can change everything. I mean, yeah, I totally settled in many different ways throughout my life for stuff that just, you know, I felt like I was undeserving. So I settled for things that were just really amplifying that I wasn't deserving. And when I switched that and started going towards, you know, great things, then I was feeling better, you know, about who I was and great things were then coming my way kind of unintentionally, but it's all through that self-work. So it's awesome that you're recognizing that. And yeah, I know it sucks to be like, yeah, I'm the fucking problem, but (laughs) you're also the solution. Like, you know, it's just working on your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but (laughs) it's totally doable. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I keep thinking 
just as like a, a quick sort of random tangent that I swear ties into this conversation, I'm learning Spanish right now on Duolingo and I keep getting to this weirdly overconfident place where I think, yeah, I basically speak Spanish now. I, I could probably understand most Spanish and then I'll watch a movie or listen to a song in Spanish to test myself. And no, absolutely not. I'm not there. I'm nowhere near fluent. And I think that relationships are so similar and that I learn a lot with every relationship I have. And every time I think, okay, now I've figured it out. I've got the key. I know 100% what I want. All of my issues are worked out. The next time I'll do it perfectly because I have all the information now. And of course that isn't true. I don't think that that's ever true with human relationship because people are complicated. We're all complex. Everybody's got their own history and, and way that they view the world and interact with other people. And of course we've got stuff that we bring around with us. And when we bump into other people who have their own stuff, it's going to react in different ways. So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. All the stuff that I thought I had perfectly figured out after that long-term relationship ended, I was making the same mistakes even worse the next time around. And I think that's what really spooked me with dating. And I realized, oh my gosh, not only am I the problem because I am making the same mistakes and I am exhibiting the same behaviors even worse this time, not only without seeing it, but like in a more dramatic way. And so I, I, it just really made clear to me that I not only am not done, (laughs) but I think I'm still very early in that journey of trying to figure out what do I want? Where are my boundaries when it comes to relationship? Because I don't think there are any hard and fast rules around that. I think everyone can decide for themselves what they're okay with and what they aren't. And yeah, I'm definitely early in that journey, as it turns out, of figuring out what that looks like to me. But it's funny because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and she was asking me about dating on the road. And I was saying, well, I'm just not interested in doing it. I don't like dating. So I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not seeking it out. And she said, well, do you ever see yourself with a partner? Like, do you, is a partner something that you even want at some point in your life? And I said, yeah, you know, I'd love a partner. I'd love to travel with somebody. Travel is one of the many experiences that I think are better if there's someone there to share it with. And so I said, yeah, you know, the right partner would be great. And she said, okay, so you never want to date, but you do want a partner. How do you imagine that's (laughs) going to happen? (laughs) It was one of those moments where someone points out a very distinct fallacy (laughs) in your thinking and you realize, oh yeah, I guess I'm going to have to do something to bridge that gap there at some point. Yeah. It reminds me. So I did an episode with my other friend, Sarah, the the Phoenix Sarah, I call her. And she said the same thing. Uh, She was talking about relationships and she had a series of controlling relationships, narcissistic relationships. And then her last relationship um, got to the point where she was physically unsafe. And she had said that she can look back and see that. And she, her understanding was, you know, you get the same message over and over and louder and louder until you're ready. You know, it just kind of amplifies until it's like, okay, I need to do something about this. And this is something that I have control over. And that was kind of her sign of like, I really have to 
work on this. And I think it sounds like you're kind of in that same place of, I want to get this figured out. And you totally will. It's really just about putting the effort in. And now that you have a little bit better of a work-life balance, sounds like you have time to do that. So, you know, it's just wherever we direct our energy. We all have our shit that we need to work through. I've been working on mine for like Oh, I don't even know at this point, 13 plus years. And I know that I will be working on it for the rest of my life because life is Mm -hmm. difficult and things happen. And, you know, the most power that we have is like understanding ourselves through the process, being compassionate with ourselves and doing things differently if they're not working for us. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when we started this conversation, you were talking about how you were like at this great place with your fitness and then pregnancy changed everything. And I think, you know, everything in life is probably like that, right? We, we hit these points where we think, okay, we've gotten this thing figured out, but of course nothing is static and things change. And I think we're constantly having to relearn lessons that we've already learned, which is what makes life so frustrating and so interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It's just all remembering that we have the power to work through it. We do not have to be victims to life. We can actually be involved and take an active role and turn it into something beautiful. And I think travel is a great way to do that. I think, you know, owning your own business is a great way to do that, something that you're super passionate about. And yeah, we're all just figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To totally destroy a Maya Angelou quote, I think she said something like, when you know better, you do better. And I think Mm -hmm. that's so true. We're all just trying to know more so we can do better the next time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and giving me an update, letting me know what's going on. I know that you're super busy with work. Are you still taking on new work or are you like stopping the gates? Uh, For a while, I had kind of closed the gates to new clients. A couple of my contacts at different businesses I was working with had left. And so I've changed over a little bit uh, with a few clients. But for the most part, I've got a, a stable client base that I'm working with. And I have the distinct luxury now of being able to take on ad hoc projects as I want them or not. My favorite thing to do is to write websites for other solopreneurs or entrepreneurs who are launching their own business. That's their passion project. I love writing those websites. So I still do take those on when they come across my plate. But yeah, for the most part, I'm kind of committed to a set of work that I do regularly and that's been going really well. And yeah, so, you know, it's always that thing of trying to make sure that you are doing the work that lights you up and feeds your soul and also feeds your wallet and not overcommit. So I think I'm always kind of veering slightly on one side or the other of that line, but I am in a spot now where I know what's too much and what's the right amount. And that might change depending on the season that I'm in or or the part of the country that I'm in even. So, so yeah, for right now, I'm not actively looking for new work, but it always changes. Well, is it all right if we throw your uh, website out just in case someone might be interested in some website advice? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I'm happy to talk to anybody about copywriting. I really enjoy it. So if anybody wants to get in touch, you can find me at flourishwriting.com. Perfect. And I'll put that in the description so people can connect with you that way should they have any questions or anything like that. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me and 
I love, this is where like, I like technology. You're in Arizona, you know, enjoying the winter weather there. I'm in Florida, enjoying the winter weather here. I'm hoping that you'll be able to like make it to New York so we can connect again while we're up there. And uh, we have a place to stay for RVers. It's very exciting. (laughs) So you're speaking my language. (laughs) I know we got full hookups. You know, you can dump your tanks. We got water. We're going to upgrade to 30 amp. I think it's like 15 amp right now, but we'll get you hooked up and um, you can stay as long as you'd like and it'll be great. We're hoping to get a decent amount of people that want to come visit until we get back on the road. So yeah, very exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to meet the newest little mini Carrie. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's going to be such a crazy adventure. I just don't even, it's so crazy that like we met on the road and I just remember, you know, boondockers bash and I was like, I'm going to live on the road forever. And I love this lifestyle. And I did like at, at that moment, that's totally what I felt like was right for us. And then now we just had this complete 180. And I'm like, yeah, but I totally feel this is right for me now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just love that freedom. I I love that the RV life really allows for that because you can stay in a place for a super long time if you want to, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can move every two weeks, you can move every day, technically, if you really Mm -hmm. want to, you know, Mm -hmm. so I love the, the freedom. So yep. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on to my podcast and chatting about stuff. And uh, I'll leave you go so you can actually enjoy some of your free time. And I will uh, wrap this up like I always do and wander with you soon. (laughs) 